0: All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. Carter Thompson, your host, as always, here. Thanks for tuning in. NFL training camp fully underway for all the teams now, and some relatively big news kind of coming in in the past couple of days since we recorded on Sunday, I believe. So we'll get into that. It's mostly going to be NFL focused today. We're going to have some fantasy football news. or some rankings from myself in this episode as well. And then we'll get an update on, I haven't talked uh, like strictly just about the Packers in a little bit, so we'll get to some Packers news updates and thoughts as training camp begins for them as well, two days in. I believe on Saturday we have all 32 teams practicing at the same time. Wild. It's just, it's great. If I mean, I'm following my social media all day these days with with updates on training camps from, of course, a lot of Packers news. Then you get big news coming out of all the other NFL camps as well. You follow the national guys, where they are, and, and what kind of exciting stuff you're getting there. I love it. This is just everybody's getting amped up for the NFL season, which is quickly approaching. Let's go ahead and get started We've got some big training camp news, and it'll have uh, some fantasy football implications as well that I'll talk about in just a second. First one, 49ers, San Francisco 49ers. I mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo last episode. I was way off on this one because the 49ers have come out publicly saying Trey Lance is their guy. He's their starting quarterback next year. That's not the surprise part. The surprise part is it looks like they're going to be trying to trade Jimmy Garoppolo at all costs. It looks like before the season begins, it looks like they're looking for a place that Jimmy wants to go to as well. But looks like the 49ers will look, likely have to end up paying some of his contract to ship him off to somewhere that he wants to go. Could be Seattle. New Orleans Saints is one that I saw brought up if they're not convinced on Jameis Winston. If he's not 100% healthy, New York Giants is one that I brought up as well. So those are some possibilities of where Jimmy Garoppolo could go. Last episode, you remember, I said I think they end up keeping him as the best backup in the NFL. Way off. The way that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers came out and said Trey Lance is our guy, and they said Jimmy Garoppolo knows it. This is what they said a couple of quotes from Kyle Shanahan right here Trey is our guy. Jimmy knows that. Trey knows that. We're moving forward with Trey. This is Trey's team. They, it's it's a business is what they also said and Jimmy Garoppolo knows that so they're going to move forward with Trey and they're going to try to find a good situation for Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy probably still thinks that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL a couple of teams might the 49ers probably think that as well and they can also shed and save some salary cap space by getting Jimmy Garoppolo off of their team so that was kind of big they just no no hidden meaning, no up in the air, who's the starting quarterback this year, Kyle, like Kyle Shanahan was doing last year, was Trey Lance going to play? It's Trey Lance's turn, it's Trey Lance's time for the San Francisco 49ers, which is really interesting. They'll move off from Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance, my thoughts on Trey Lance as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming season, remember... They were in the NFC Championship game just last year against the Los Angeles Rams. It wasn't the Buccaneers. It wasn't the Packers. It wasn't the Cowboys. It was the Rams and the 49ers. They were a game away, again, from the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Now there's difference. Trey Lance as a fantasy quarterback is different than Trey Lance as a real-life winning quarterback. He's going to have a good opportunity to win a lot of games. This is still a good football team, a top defense In the NFL, D'Amico Ryans as the defensive coordinator. They got Nick Bosa, guys like that on this team. Fred Warner at the middle linebacker spot. This is a good team, good defense for sure at least. So the defense will hold up their end. On offense, he's got some weapons as well. In George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, who we think is getting a contract extension soon. We'll talk about that in a little bit. A good running game with Elijah Mitchell actually it doesn't even matter who the 49ers put at running back because Kyle Shanahan can scheme up anybody at running back. Got probably the left or the best left tackle in the game in Trent Williams. So Trey Lance has a good opportunity to come out and start well, win some football games in his this is would technically be his rookie season as the starting quarterback. It's nice to have that first year under your belt. Remember, you've had guys like Patrick Mahomes sit for their first year, come out firing in their second year, in their first full season starting. He won MVP. Lamar Jackson, I think maybe either his second or third season as a starting quarterback, he won an MVP. I'm not putting Trey Lance in that category quite yet, but remember, the San Francisco 49ers drafted him with the third overall pick. They traded up, they traded a lot of draft capital to go up and get Trey Lance. They had the opportunity to take Justin Fields. They had the opportunity to take Mac Jones, and they chose, hey, we want Trey Lance as our guy. This was the year with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. 49ers traded up to third and took Trey Lance with that third overall pick. I think Trey Lance is going to—a lot of people are hyping him up a lot. You've got wild MVP long shots coming out as hot takes from the national media. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the MVP conversation necessarily, but I think he's going to be very good this rookie season. I don't know if they're going to be in NFC championship contender kind of season with the Rams, Buccaneers, Packers as your kind of top-tier teams in the NFC, but of course you've got a really good coach in Kyle Shanahan. Anything can happen once you get to the playoffs. I'm I'm not necessarily saying this is a step back for the 49ers, Obviously, the reason that you start Trey Lance is because he offers much more potential and a higher ceiling than what Jimmy Garoppolo was able to give you. You saw what Jimmy Garoppolo was able to give you. You saw it in the Super Bowl, you saw it the next season, and then you saw it this upcoming season when they just come up short when it's time in the big moments, in the big games, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't getting the job done. Trey Lance is supposed to take a step up from that, but remember, he's still young. It might take a year or two. I still expect the 49ers to be a very strong playoff contender, even with Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. This is going to be 49ers fans, I'm sure are very excited to see this guy in action for a full season. He's very capable with his legs, could be a guy that rushes for 500 plus yards as well. A lot of goal line touchdowns. He's very dynamic quarterback. And now you get to see the full arsenal of what he's able to offer for the San Francisco 49ers this upcoming season. Should be a lot of fun for 49ers fans for sure. Other big news, Julio Jones agrees to a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ugh, goodness. I mean, Chris Godwin, their second wide receiver on this team, he's going to be injured to begin the season. Seems This seems like a typical perfect Tom Brady-led team move that is low risk and very high reward with a veteran. I mean, like this is very, very high-rewarding possibility for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Julio Jones can stay healthy, he's not expected to be the number one. He's not even expected to be the number two wide receiver on this team. I mean, Chris Godwin is not starting the year on the physically unable to perform list. So meaning he could be back earlier this season than some people are predicting. He could be back maybe by week three, week four, week five. Some people thought it was going to be mid-season season Looks like he's going to be able to start the season a little earlier than some thought. So, I mean, now you got Tom Brady at age 45. He's going to have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones to throw to. He's got Leonard Fournette coming out of the backfield, and then he's got Kyle Rudolph at tight end. I mean, come on. Really? Does Tom Brady really need all of this, even at the age of 45? It seems to me like a perfect spot for Julio Jones. I know the Packers were another consideration is either the Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, somewhere where he could go to compete for a Super Bowl. This one makes a lot of sense for Julio because now he's not going to be the number one guy. He probably doesn't have to be on the field for every offensive snap as well. Really lowers the chances of himself getting injured again. Makes a lot of sense for both parties in this deal. Gotta respect Tom Brady in his way to just get some of these veterans on his team. Very impressive. Let's take a look at the fantasy implications now of these two latest deals and news to come out in the NFL. Let's take a look at the fantasy implications for both of them. We'll also, I have my initial rankings of my top 12 running backs and wide receivers. Let's start with Trey Lance as QB1 now for the 49ers. I think this could move him, should easily move him into the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks. Starting next season. I mean, and the reason is for fantasy quarterbacks, the rushing ability really sets these guys apart. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. Every now and again, Dak Prescott. He doesn't he didn't really run a ton last year. Let's 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 look at this. In his limited action last year, Trey Lance, we're looking at Trey Lance right now. In his limited action, he appeared in six games. I believe he only started two of them. He had 168 rushing yards. That's more than Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford had in their full seasons last year. I mean, he could be the fourth, third or fourth leading rushing quarterback this upcoming season, probably behind Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. He could be on par with guys like Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. An extra six to 800 rushing yards on your fantasy QB is a ton of points, along with the rushing goal-line touchdowns that you're likely to see with Trey Lance. I mean, we saw it last year a couple of times when he wasn't even the starting quarterback. The goal-line attempts that Kyle Shanahan was able to draw up for Trey Lance, that's what propels a guy like this into the top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks, potentially for top five. I mean, your top five fantasy quarterbacks right now, this is just off the top of my head. You got like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, You probably got a guy like Lamar Jackson in the top five, and then it's maybe Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, or Jalen Hurts for that fifth guy. Trey Lance can be on par in terms of rushing with a Jalen Hurts, a Kyler Murray. We'll see what we can get from him in his arm, what he's able to do with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, guys like that. But this easily propels him into the top 10, I think, because of that rushing ability that sets these quarterbacks apart. Trey Lance is going to be a very hot commodity in your fantasy football drafts this year. He could be, I don't want to say a league winner, but if he's one of those guys that's drafted after guys like Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, if he's drafted after those guys, he could easily outpace them in fantasy points given his rushing ability. You're not going to see Aaron Rodgers rushing for 300 yards in a season. Aaron Rodgers will still get you maybe two or three rushing touchdowns on a scramble play but you're not going to see Aaron Rodgers rushing for 50, 60, 70 yards in a game where that could be a regular occurrence for a guy like Trey Lance this upcoming season. It's going to be really interesting to see how he does in terms of fantasy and what the strategy is on where you're drafting him. Some guys might overdraft him now because of this news that he's quarterback one. He might not be going as late. We'll see with a guy like this. For Julio Jones then on the other side, him signing with the Bucks. I think it at least makes him worth a late-round flyer in fantasy. You can maybe take him in one of the two last rounds of your fantasy draft. But the big thing, and this is because he'll probably start out the season as the wide receiver two, then Chris Godwin can come back from injury. Now he's relegated to wide receiver three. Also, you got to take in the injury history with Julio Jones. Hasn't played a full 16 games, what, in maybe three or four seasons. It's been a while since Julio Jones has played a full season. You'll take that into consideration as well, which makes him no more than a a late, late, late round fantasy draft pick. The thing that it affects the most for me is Mike Evans in fantasy football. Mike Evans, I thought was going to be a clear top six, top eight fantasy wide receiver this year because with no Godwin to begin the season, now he's a top. 10 fringe wide receiver with Julio Jones in the fold and the healthier than expected Chris Godwin. That's kind of the big fantasy implications. I'll give you my top 12 fantasy wide receivers this year right now to explain why. Starting off, number one, it's not Cooper Cup. I have Justin Jefferson as my number one fantasy wide receiver this year. Cooper Cup is number two, and here's why. Justin Jefferson gets a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell coming from that Sean McVay tree of coaching. And this is going to be a very explosive offense with Kevin O'Connell calling the offensive plays. You don't have Mike Zimmer, a defensive-minded head coach, a defensive-minded coach as the head coach anymore. You have an offensive-minded coach. This is going to be an air raid offense with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, Irv Smith Jr. as well. Justin Jefferson, I think, is going to lead the league in receiving yards this upcoming year. And the reason that it knocks Cooper Cup down to number two is, is Cooper Cup now, he had an absolutely historic fantasy football season last year. Like this is like top 10, top 15 of all-time players in fantasy points that he had last year. It's reasonable to expect that to digress, come back to the mean a little bit next year and also Cooper Cup now has Allen Robinson on this team as a wide receiver too that will take away a bunch of targets. He could have a big year as well. If you remember on Big reason Cooper Cup had a monster year is Robert Woods, the Rams' second wide receiver on the team last year, got injured, and I believe week six, week seven, or week eight, around the middle of the season, he got injured. So then Cooper Cup's target share just exploded once again. You add in a guy like Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup's targets come down a little bit. Allen Robinson takes away some of the touchdowns maybe as well. Cooper Cup doesn't lead the league in maybe touchdowns, doesn't lead the league in maybe yards, maybe doesn't even lead the league in receptions as well. That's why he gets bumped down to the number two spot where I think Justin Jefferson has a chance to increase on a huge year last year. I don't think Cooper Cup can increase on a historic season that he had a year ago, which puts him at the wide receiver two for me. Then at three and four, they're interchangeable. It could be Jamar Chase, as the wide receiver three, Stephon Diggs as the wide receiver four. You could flip-flop them if you want. Stefan Diggs, they lose a couple of big targets in Buffalo, Cole Beasley, for example, Jamison Crowder. No, 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 I'm sorry, not Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is who they signed. Emmanuel Sanders is the other wide receiver that they lost. So they lose Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. Cole Beasley actually got a ton of targets with the Buffalo Bills. So those targets are gonna be spread around. I know a lot of people are heavy on Gabriel Davis but he's not going to take all those targets of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders I think a lot of those are going to go to Stefan Diggs as well and I think he's going to have a big year Josh Allen only seems to be improving so I think Stefan Diggs Jamar Chase wide receivers three and four you can choose at that spot wide receiver five then I think C.D. Lamb jumps into the top five of wide receivers this upcoming season no more Amari Cooper the number one wide receiver. So, CD Lamb is now the clear-cut number one wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, we know loves to throw the ball. He doesn't he preaches trying to run the ball, but he really doesn't run the ball that often. Michael Gallup, the new number two wide receiver on the Dallas Cowboys is injured. He's not going to be able to play the first probably 4 to 6 games of the season. So, that's just even more targets that CD Lamb is going to get thrown his way. He's going to get so many targets per game. And he's a very good wide receiver. Let's not discount that, of course, as well. I think CeeDee Lamb is just going to be a PPR monster. And the amount of receptions that he gets could also be top five in receiving yards this upcoming season. So I like CD Lamb a lot as a top five wide receiver. And then at six, I have Devontae Adams. I dropped him down a little bit. He gets a downgrade in quarterback from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Even if he thinks he's going from <laughs> Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, he's not quite yet. Derek Carr has got a lot to prove there, but Derek Carr is still a very good quarterback, but still a little bit of a downgrade, obviously, from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Also, there's a lot more weapons on this team for Derek Carr to throw to. Hunter Renfro is still going to get a bunch of targets. Darren Waller is a top three tight end in the NFL. He's going to get a bunch of targets as well, where in Green Bay, Devontae Adams was obviously Aaron Rodgers' go-to. He was getting force-fed targets when he even shouldn't have been getting these kind of throws in his direction. When he's doubled, maybe sometimes even triple teamed, Aaron Rodgers is still trying to get him the ball. If he's double teamed in Las Vegas with the Raiders, Derek Carr should smartly look the other way to Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. They got Brian Edwards, who they like in Las Vegas as well. Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield. There's other options where he doesn't have to force feed Devontae Adams like Aaron Rodgers kind of thought he had to do last year. So I think he has less opportunities, which I put him at wide receiver six. Obviously, Devontae Adams, I th- think, is still the best wide receiver in football. Can't discount that, which could easily put him into the top five of wide receivers this upcoming year. But in my initial rankings, that's why those reasons are why I have him at six. At seven, this is at seven, this is where I would have had Mike Evans. But now with the Julio Jones signing and Chris Godwin expected to be healthy. Faster or quicker than a lot of people expected. At 7, I now have Tyreek Hill. And this one's interesting for me. It'll be telltale on what we see from Tua Tug of I think you'll see a lot of underneath throws initially for Tyreek Hill. And it'll be a lot of him with yards after the catch. What he can do with the ball once it's in his hands on some of those quick slants. We'll see what Tua Tug of Iloa can do on the deep ball this upcoming season as well but i take Tyreek Hill out of the top six, out of the top five this upcoming season because it's a big downgrade in quarterback from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa, even though, even if Tyreek Hill goes on every podcast and says Tua is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, which is not true, but he, of course, he's supposed to hype up his quarterback. It's still a big downgrade, and also you still got Jalen Waddell on this team who had 100 receptions as well with Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback, so Another one of those things where Tyreek Hill, he's going to be in competition with a guy like Jalen Waddell, maybe Mike Gisecki at tight end as well. Also, this is going to be a run-first offense. I know even just because they have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, this is still going to be a run-first offense in Miami because Mike McDaniel, the new head coach that comes over from the Kyle Shanahan tree, they like to run the ball first. That'll set up the play-action then that'll help to Tua Tagovailoa in the passing game. This is still going to be a run-first offense. Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle. These guys are going to be rotated in and out at the running back spot. So that's why I've got Tyreek Hill down at 7. At 8, actually you could flip-flop 7 and 8 here if you want. I have Keenan Allen with the Los Angeles Chargers. This is still a really top-tier wide receiver in the NFL. The problem is... Justin Herbert spreads it around. The good thing for the Chargers offense is they had two number one wide receivers in terms of fantasy last year in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That's why Keenan Allen is down here at eight. If there was no Mike Williams, I'm sure Justin Herbert would be force-feeding Keenan Allen, but he's got Mike Williams on his team as well. Still, it makes them both great. Can't really double-team Keenan Allen, but that's why I've got him at that seven and eight range with Tyreek Hill. Then at nine, I have Mike Evans, where I thought I could put him in in that Devontae Adams range before, but now at the Julio Jones, Chris Godwin news. Mike Evans down at nine. You can't discount Mike Evans. This guy has, what is it, eight straight seasons, seven straight seasons with a 1,000 yard receiving. I believe he had nine touchdowns last year as well. Always a red zone monster in terms of getting touchdowns and targets in the red zone. Mike Evans, to me, still a top 10 wide receiver in this upcoming fantasy football year. Then at 10, I have him lower than a lot of guys, is Debo Samuel for me, and the reason being, Debo Samuel was wide receiver number three last year, but a big portion of that was because of the rushing. He had, what, was it six to eight rushing touchdowns last year? And now you see this year, he wants a new contract extension, and he doesn't want to be used in this utility wide receiver running back hybrid role, where he was getting handoffs In the backfield. He doesn't want to do that anymore because of the wear and tear. So I think you're going to see a lot less of the rushing coming from Debo Samuel, especially with Trey Lance at the quarterback position. Now Trey Lance will take a lot of these quarterback keepers, quarterback sneaks, quarterback jets, where he fakes the handoff, takes it outside himself. I think Trey Lance will get a lot of that rushing, especially since Debo Samuel doesn't want it. So without that rushing, it takes down the value a little bit of Debo Samuel. He's not a top-five wide receiver in terms of receiving when he doesn't have this rushing complement to his fantasy points. Also, not entirely sure what Trey Lance can offer in terms as a quarterback, so it's a little bit of a question mark there. Where Jimmy Garoppolo, you kind of know what you're getting. You can rank Debo accordingly then. But right now I have Debo Samuel at that 10 spot could very easily jump into the top five if they still use him in that rushing capacity that they did this past season. But I don't think that they're going to be doing that this upcoming season because he doesn't want it. And now with Trey Lance at quarterback. So I have Debo Samuel at 10. And then at 11 and 12, I have DJ Moore and Michael Pittman Jr., the the wide receiver, excuse me, out of Indianapolis with Matt Ryan as his new quarterback. DJ Moore, Always around, he was, I believe, what, wide receiver, maybe 16 last year, and that was with just, I mean, he had Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, uh, P.J. Walker sometimes, that quarterback, and he's still a mid-tier wide receiver too. He could jump into the wide receiver one conversation with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback, even though that's not guaranteed yet. But D.J. Moore is always a very underrated wide receiver, I think he could be a top 12 wide receiver this upcoming season. All right, those are my top 12 wide receivers this upcoming year. Let's look at the running backs really quickly as well then. Here's my top 12. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. No reason to see him slowing down. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football. Actually, he might even be able to have more success in terms of fantasy, maybe not yards or anything like that, because of an upgrade at quarterback with Matt Ryan. They're not just going to be able to load the box on Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor running back one. Running back two, I have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was off to an absolutely insane start last year. Would have been running back one if he didn't get injured. He had he was running back like 25, and he played half the season last year. He had 1,000 yards in the first eight games. Easily would have been over 2,000 yards. I think he could have challenged the all-time rushing record last year if he didn't get injured. I don't have too many concerns on wear and tear for Derrick Henry. I mean, the injury doesn't appear to be long-term, they said. I think he returned for the playoff game as well. So I'm not too concerned on wear and tear with Derrick Henry. I actually think that him missing those last eight games, even if it was for injury, could actually benefit him this year in terms of less wear and tear that he got, hits on his body, stuff like that. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big bounce back year, I think he might actually lead the league in rushing this upcoming season again as well. Number three then, I have Najee Harris running back from Pittsburgh. He's just going to be a workhorse. Mitch Trubisky is probably going to be the starting quarterback. I think you're going to see another 300 carries from Najee Harris. Likes to catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Just going to be a big year for Najee Harris. Then at number four, I have Austin Eckler, He was running back number two last year. No reason to see him slowing down unless there's injury, of course. That goes for all these guys. But Austin Eckler was a PPR monster running back. They have the high-powered offense of the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert loves dumping it to him, dumping it off to him out of the backfield as well. Austin Eckler at number four. Dalvin Cook I have as number five. You guys I know are thinking right now, you're thinking of a name that you haven't heard yet. Why haven't you heard him yet? You'll hear in just a couple of reasons. But Delvin Cook at number five. Like I said, this is a very high-powered Vikings offense that's going to come this year, I think, with Kevin O'Connell as their new head coach. And Delvin Cook, even, with, even if he gets less touches out of the backfield as a running back, I think he can still get a lot of touches as a receiver as well. And he is very explosive. The speed that this guy gets once the ball is in his hands, Delvin Cook is still a top five running back in terms of fantasy, in my opinion. Joe Mixon, then, I have at number six with the Bengals. They upgraded their offensive line, which I think should only help Joe Mixon. He doesn't need a ton of catches out of the receptions out of the backfield, especially with guys like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd at the wide receiver spot. He'll get a couple of receptions out of the backfield, but with an upgraded offensive line, he should be able to get more yards per carry, which increases his fantasy value, I think. Then at seven, this is a very controversial one, I think, for a lot of people. I have Christian McCaffrey all the way down at seven. A lot of people think he could be running back one, running back two. I have him down at seven. I just have a lot of concerns with Christian McCaffrey. I know when he is on the field, he's guaranteed 20 points per game, which is great. But it's just been two seasons now, back-to-back, that... Your fantasy team has been burned by him, has it, has it not? He's been drafted number one overall in back-to-back seasons. You've been burned back-to-back times for it. There's just so much pressure with that number one overall pick that I would take a safe bet like Jonathan Taylor this year. I would I would still take, even if I had the number two overall pick, I wouldn't take him because you have to wait so long to get another top-tier player in fantasy football, that is just so much pressure on your number one overall pick to perform with Christian McCaffrey. I would consider him in the later first round, but I just would want, it, these guys, of course, there's nothing for sure with fantasy when it comes to, to injuries, but just with the track record that Christian McCaffrey has shown, I'd I'd feel safer with a Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, maybe even, even an Austin Eckler and Delvin Cook. I would consider him ahead of Joe Mixon, but just these running backs make me feel safer. It's just there's a lot of pressure on your first-round pick. I just don't feel as secure. If I had Christian McCaffrey on my team and I had to wait so long and I had pick, like, say, two, then your next pick is all the way down at pick 23. You'll get a guy like Keenan Allen. You're not getting a top-five wide receiver then at that point, it's, it's very risky, I think, with Christian McCaffrey. A lot of people are sold. They're taking him pick number one. I've seen a lot of absolutely after Jonathan Taylor, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. I personally am not as sold. That's why I have him at pick seven because of the risk that comes with it. I hope he proves me wrong and is running back one this year. And heck, at pick 11, or I have pick 11 this year in my fantasy team. If he's there, I would highly consider it. Especially if guys like Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, those guys have already been drafted. If Christian McCaffrey somehow makes it to pick 11, I would highly consider it because at that point I have picked 14 as well. I can get another top tier player right away. There's not as much pressure then, but early, early in the draft, thankfully I don't have that pick, so I don't have to worry about it. That would be very concerning for me to take Christian McCaffrey there. Also, Quick note before I finish off the top 12 of my running backs here. Make sure you look at how your, which website you're using, whichever app you're using, whichever fantasy database that you're using. Make sure you look at where they have their rankings. The rankings can be very different. I use ESPN for one league. I use NFL.com or the NFL app for another league. The rankings are completely different. For example, in one, the NFL has Travis Kelsey ranked number 10 overall. ESPN has Travis Kelsey ranked number 30 overall. I think NFL is way closer on how it actually could go, but you have to think of that too when you're using these different when you're using these different websites and stuff like that. People eventually start to go with what the website has as the rankings. You'll get into the draft You'll get some guys picking who they want. They're not necessarily going to go one, two, three, four, five in what the website gives you in rankings. But eventually when guys are stuck, when your league mates are stuck, don't know who to draft, they're going to conform to what the website is ranking. They're like, oh, well, the website says this. I'm a little conflicted between this guy and this guy. The tiebreaker is going to probably be what the website ranks them. So make sure you look at your rankings. Like I said, Travis Kelsey in one league is ranked at 10 On another website, he's ranked as low as 30. Make sure you look at those, and then you can adjust your draft strategy when it comes to that point. Because, I mean, in in the NFL league, he could be drafted as high as now like maybe six or seven. In the ESPN league, he's probably not going to go until the second round because he's ranked so low. You Just people conform to what the website rankings usually end up being at some point. So keep that in mind with these. Christian McCaffrey in ESPN is ranked, I believe, at three. In the NFL, I think he's ranked at like eight. So that's a really big difference on where these guys get drafted. Make sure you keep that in mind when looking at your fantasy drafts. All right, rounding out the top 12 of my running backs, I had Christian McCaffrey, remember, at seven. James Conner, DeAndre Swift, Elvin Kamara, they round out the top 10. Elvin Kamara, watch what goes on with his legal proceedings. Remember, he had a, was it a, violence. It was some sort of assault, I believe, when he was in Las Vegas for the Pro Bowl. That hearing comes up in, what is it, four days on August 1st. So we'll see if he gets suspended. If so, obviously he drops out of the top 12. You don't draft him with your first two picks, probably. James Conner, DeAndre Swift, lot of potential for just a ton of touches. James Conner is the only running back in Arizona that everybody knows the name of, Chase Edmonds is no longer there, so James Conner is in for a big workload, probably a three-down running back. So James Conner in the top 10. DeAndre Swift, very explosive with the ball in his hands. And then rounding out the top 12, Aaron Jones at number 11. I think he could possibly lead the Packers in receiving this year. Coming out of the backfield with A.J. Dillon as the running back, you could see Aaron Jones split out in the slot a lot this year as well. He could lead the Packers in receiving Between him, Alan Lazard, because Aaron Rodgers, you know he's got to develop a trust with a lot of these rookies on this team. You could see Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones vying for that receiving champ of the Green Bay Packers. So that's why I've got Aaron Jones at 11 and then at 12. Nick Chubb or David Montgomery. Nick Chubb is just a beast. Hopefully he can stay healthy for a whole season. And then David Montgomery, I think, is going to be clear-cut three-down running back in Chicago, which could put him... Into the top 12 of fantasy running backs this year. So those are my initial rankings for wide receivers and running backs. I'll go through them one more time really quick. Wide receivers, we got Justin Jefferson at one, Cooper Cup at two, Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, three and four. You can flip flop them if you want. At five, CeeDee Lamb, six, Devonte Adams, seven, Tyreek Hill, eight, Keenan Allen, nine, Mike Evans, ten, Debo Samuel. 11, DJ Moore, 12, Michael Pittman Jr. And then the running backs. I know it's going to be controversial where I have Christian McCaffrey, but this is just how I feel about it. We got 1, Jonathan Taylor, 2, Derrick Henry, 3, Najee Harris, 4, Austin Eckler, 5, Dalvin Cook, 6, Joe Mixon, 7, Christian McCaffrey, 8, James Conner, 9, DeAndre Swift, 10, Alvin Kamara. Make sure you keep an eye out on his legal proceedings that are coming up. 11, Aaron Jones. And then 12, either Nick Chubb or David Montgomery, your choice there for that last running back one position. All right, those are my initial rankings for probably the most important fantasy positions in football, just given how much of a discrepancy there can be between the top guys at the wide receiver spot and maybe like the flex guys at the wide receiver spot. Same thing with the running backs. You also start two running backs, two wide receivers every time in fantasy. So that's probably why they're the most important. I am so excited for football this year. I'm very excited for fantasy football as well. I love fantasy football. All right, let's move on. Packers training camp, two days in. There's a couple concerns that I have with their training camp beginning right now. I mean, you, you see the reports coming out. Everything looks great at practice. But it's the injuries that have already been reported before the season even begins. Let's start with the big one. Superstar left tackle David Bakhtiare still not cleared for practice. I mean, it's been over 500 days since he's torn his ACL. I mean, is this a major concern, little concern, maybe some mild concern, full out panic? I am at mild concern right now with this. So, when David Bakhtiare tore his ACL, it was the 2020 season. It was right before the NFC Championship game, right before they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He Tore it in a practice, I believe. But what we're hearing now is it was way more than just an ACL tear. There was a lot of damage with this knee. Obviously, he wasn't able to play last season until it came to he had a second surgery last season during the season, if you remember. They thought to help try and clean it up, maybe that's how it could respond a little bit better. They thought it did. They tried to play him with maybe it was at 25, 30 snaps against the Detroit Lions in the last regular season game of the season last year. It did not respond well in those 25-30 snaps. He didn't play in the divisional game against the 49ers, and now here we are. Now we're getting reports that he had a third surgery during the offseason, I think maybe early April or late March. I think it was early April or something like that. He had a third surgery now at this point. David Bakhtiari has said this is a living nightmare for him, what he's had to go through over 500 days since tearing his ACL. He's not ready for the beginning of training camp this year now as well, hoping it doesn't go into a second season that he has to miss. He has said, Packers GM has said, Packers head coach has said, there's no concerns that he'll never play again. So that's what has put me at the mild concern right now. If it was at the point where he's like, yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be able to play again, then it's full-out panic mode. Mild concern. He's ready, he's wants to get ready to play again. He's just waiting on the knee, obviously still doing rehab. He hasn't talked about retiring. He still wants to play multiple years with the Green Bay Packers. That's why I'm at mild concern right now. Oh man, but this is it's it's just such a big loss for the Packers, especially since their second best offensive lineman Elgin Jenkins I believe tore his Achilles in week 10 or something last year, so he's probably not going to be ready to start the season as well. That's why you saw the Packers draft three offensive linemen in this past draft this season. So David Bakhtiari is still not clear. All-star, superstar, left tackle, protecting Aaron Rodgers' blind side, still not clear to play. I'm at a mild concern with this knee. He's said... The other thing that has put me at mild concern is he said this is a, the ACL is fully healed, which is great, but then what's the problem? What's the other problem that we don't know about that's left in his knee? That's what's got me at a mild concern right now with David Bakhtiari and whether he'll be able to play this season. If he doesn't, if he's not playing for the Packers by week four to week six, then I'm at major concern, almost full-out panic that it's not going to work out for David Bakhtiari and the Green Bay Packers. The other thing, Packers have a lot of big names on the injury report that aren't practicing day one, day two of training camp. Christian Watson, their new wide receiver that they drafted in the second round, he's not practicing yet. He had a quick surgery, a small surgery, they said. It's not a long-term concern, but he's not going to be ready for the start of training camp. He had a small surgery in maybe May or June so he's not going to get those valuable practice reps with Aaron Rodgers could be off to a slow start for his season we mentioned Elgin Dankins their second best offensive lineman still recovering from last year's torn Achilles I believe it was Sammy Watkins the new wide receiver that they signed this offseason not starting the beginning of training camp as well Robert Tunyon still on the injury report from last year I believe he tore either his ACL or Achilles Remember in that week seven, week eight win against the Cardinals, he was down in the middle of the field. And then Mason Crosby, also not at practice. I mean, he's 38 and he had a surgery to his kicking leg this past offseason. That's a little bit of concern. So the ones that I'm worried about the most, Mason Crosby, that one's a little concerning. Christian Watson, that one also concerns me as well. Those are the two big ones. Hopefully Elgin Jenkins, Sammy Watkins, uh, that we heard that one's going to be short term. He'll be back at practice soon, they've said. Robert Tunyon hopefully can get back as well. But Elgin Jenkins, you haven't heard anything bad about that one yet, so that one doesn't concern. It's Christian Watson, and the Mason Crosby one concerns me a little bit. Those ones concern me the most at the start of training camp here. I mean, reports coming out of training camp for the Packers, offense has had a nice start these past two days, yesterday and today. Receivers flying all over the place, Romeo Dubes, The receiver that the Packers drafted, I believe, in the fourth round is getting a lot of hype right now, which is really great to see, and especially when he's getting a connection with Aaron Rodgers, because you know Alan Lazard has Aaron Rodgers' trust, it sounds like, of course, Randall Cobb does, but you're going to need some of these young guys to step up. Christian Watson not being out there, that's a big problem, because Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be able to develop that trust quickly. Obviously, this trust, too, is something that's built up over years, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't have years in years like he did with Devontae Adams to build up a trust like that. So it's good to see early that he's getting some chemistry with some of these younger guys like Romeo Dube. so that's nice to see. The expectations, though, for this Packers offense can't be too high. Obviously, you hear all these good things coming out of training camp. It's just training camp practice. They haven't even put the pads on yet. But in a post-Devontae Adams world, this is going to be an Aaron Jones An A.J. Dillon workhorse-led offense, I believe. I believe you're going to see a lot of A.J. Dillon out of the backfield. It's going to be like a 50-50, in my opinion, split on carries coming out of the backfield, and then you're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones out of the slot. Maybe some bubble screens, maybe some quick slants, maybe some wheel routes for Aaron Jones. I think he's going to be a big-time target for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and then you got Alan Lazard as wide receiver one. Aaron Rodgers has a ton of confidence in him poking fun at Devontae Adams saying, yeah, it's tough going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer in terms of the wide receiver spot. Just poking fun at Devontae Adams there, I'm sure. But Aaron Rodgers has a ton of confidence in Alan Lazard that he can be the wide receiver one for this team, which is exciting. But you're going to need some compliments to Alan Lazard, whether it's Sammy Watkins for some time, maybe Romeo Dubes. If he becomes the go-to rookie this season with Christian Watson missing some of that early time, I'm excited, but you got to temper the offensive expectations. We'll talk about the defense coming later in training camp. This, I think, is going to be a top defense, hopefully, this upcoming season, barring any major injuries. But I'm very excited about the defense. We have to temper expectations on the offense from just the early reports that we're getting. But you still got to put your trust in Aaron Rodgers that he knows what he's doing. Also, I mean, Matt LaFleur, in the way that he's going to scheme this up to help out Aaron Rodgers, of course, and that those two, the chemistry that they have, is going to work out well together. Speaking of Matt LaFleur, he, GM Brian Gudekins, and Vice President Russ Ball all got contract extensions this past offseason as well. No numbers or years announced, but after a very successful first three years together since Matt LaFleur got there, all three get contract extensions. I'm assuming maybe like four or five-year deals for all of them, which is great. I mean, the Packers are in the midst of a very, very, like historically good three seasons in terms of the regular season. Now they got to carry that into the postseason, of course. That's a little update in terms of the Packers. A lot of injuries that are concerning right now for me with David Bakhtiari, Mason Crosby, Christian Watson, hopefully Elgin Dankins. But reports obviously are good. It's the first two days of, of training camp. Got to temper expectations for the offense. All right. Final thought then on this episode of the final, final podcast. I told you, a lot of, lot of NFL news and this one. Some more training camp news around the NFL. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and Derwin James, the star safety for the Los Angeles Chargers, they're all holding out of practice. They're at the facility. They're just not practicing at training camp as they're awaiting new contracts. Debo Samuel, we've heard his contract could be coming in the next couple of days, actually, maybe by the end of the weekend. DK Metcalf holding out, that's kind of a, or not holding out, He's just needs a contract extension, that's kind of a big deal, and then Derwin James, one of the star players on that Los Angeles Chargers defense, also holding out right now. Michael Thomas, he returns to practice for the New Orleans Saints, he missed all of the 2021 season, remember, with that ankle injury, and half of the 2020 season as well, so this is a big deal for the New Orleans Saints to get their number one receiver back, and then lastly... In Carolina, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are in a true quarterback competition in Carolina. Like Sam Darnold takes the reps with the number one offense one day. Baker Mayfield does it the next day. So that's interesting. I mean, head coach Matt Rule even said to the media, he said it's not his job to pick the starting QB, which throws a lot of eyebrows. He said it's the player's job. I think I get where he's going with this here. Came off a little it just it didn't come out right, I think, out of his mouth. When I think he said it's the player's job to choose the starting quarterback, I think he meant Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. He wants one of those guys to make the decision basically where it's no decision. Like, oh, yeah, Baker Mayfield is the starting quarterback. There's no conversation here. That's what Carolina should be doing with this position, making it a true quarterback competition. Obviously, the final decision does come down to head coach Matt Rule. He's not just going to go to the team and like, hey, guys, let's take a vote. Who do you want to be your starting quarterback? That's obviously not how it's going to go. He's hoping one of those guys separates himself from the other so that he doesn't have to make a tough decision. I think that's where he was going with it. It didn't come off that way, which, of course, is not a good look for a coach that is on a very, very hot seat coaching for his job this upcoming season. All right. And then final, final thought on this episode. Kyler Murray has an interesting contract clause that came out. He even responded to the media about it today. The clause says that he must do 4 hours of game film study every week that the team provides him. I mean, this is a little bit concerning that it's needed in a contract for a quarterback that you just gave a 5-year, 260 million dollar deal. 160 million of that guaranteed. And they have to add this clause. I mean, some of the funny things coming out is for Peyton Manning, you'd have to put in a clause that he needs four hours of doing something other than film study. The fact that you have to put this clause in for Kyler Murray, does that mean he wasn't preparing enough last season? Does that mean he's not studying game film? He responded, he went to the media, he went to his a press conference today when he wasn't obligated to and said it's kind of ridiculous and embarrassing that people, what they've said about Kyler Murray with this clause coming up, but I mean the speculation is warranted when a clause like this is in a contract for a franchise quarterback that just got a huge new five-year, $260 million deal. As a Cardinal fan, I'd be a little concerned that this needed to be added. You shouldn't have to tell a guy that, quote-unquote, wants to win, wants nothing more than to win, that he needs to study when it obviously is going to help improve their chances of winning. Kyler Murray responded to it today. Wasn't very happy with all of these reports, all of the concern, all of the level of uh, what is the word that I'm trying to say? People saying he's not dedicated to the game is what I'm is what I'm trying to say. Was not very happy with all that reporting, but I mean this this clause gives them reason to question that. You don't see this kind of clause in Josh Allen's, Patrick Mahomes. It's definitely not in Tom Brady's contract. It's not in Aaron Rodgers' contract. I mean, so that's why all these questions came up from seeing this clause. It's very interesting. If I was a Cardinal fan, I'd be a little bit concerned that it had to be in there for this new contract that you just gave five years for Kyler Murray. We shall see. All right, that is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Next episode, we have, I believe, just quarterbacks left in terms of fantasy football rankings. We'll see. I still haven't finally decided where to put Trey Lance in those rankings with the news of him being quarterback one now in San Francisco. So we'll get to that. More training camp news updates will come as well as the NFL season gets closer. Oh, can just feel it at this point. Very exciting. We'll see if anything big comes out of the NBA. I don't expect it anytime soon between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, maybe Donovan Mitchell being traded as well. But then next episode as well, it will be August. We'll be getting into the into the final stretch, let's say, of the baseball season, and we'll see kind of where the teams stand and the trade deadline will have passed. We've already had one trade, not a huge one, with the Yankees improving their team. We'll talk about that trade come next week or come next episode as well. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you stay safe out there. Tune in next week as well. As always, you are listening to The Final Final.